Well, we come now to episode three in our series uh, entitled Beyond the Veil. And in this series, we've been examining the uh, tabernacle of the Old Testament to see how it uh, symbolizes, if you will, the, the Christian life and our walk with God. And to this point, we've examined the outer court of the tabernacle and seen how it pictures the salvation of God. It was, of course, reserved for those who belonged to the Lord Jesus. And those who came into this needed to stand before the altar and identify with the sacrifice that was made for them. And there also in that outer court was a basin of water where those who served the Lord were to wash and and continue to maintain that purity before the Lord. And so the outer court pictures the the salvation of God and it has some lessons for us uh, in regards to this salvation about the sacrifices that were made for the sacrifice rather that was made for our sin and the ongoing cleansing that God expects of us. Now, beyond the outer court of the tabernacle was a second room, and this room, of course, was called the holy place. And this section of the tabernacle was reserved, of course, for priests. And they would only enter this place after washing themselves at the basin. And it was here that they would perform their spiritual duties on behalf of the the Lord uh, towards the people. And it's this holy place that we want to take a look at in this episode. Now, the outer court of the temple was reserved for the people of God alone. But this holy place further into the temple was reserved for the priests of the Old Testament. These priests, of course, had a special calling from God to serve him. And only those who were ordained as priests could enter into this holy place. And anyone else who dared to enter the holy place of the tabernacle did so on pain of death. Now we read the requirements uh, for the priests in Numbers chapter 3 verses 6 to 10 where it says this, Bring the tribe of Levi near and set them before Aaron the priest that they may minister to him. They shall keep guard over him and over the whole congregation before the tent of meeting as they minister at the tabernacle. They shall guard all the furnishings of the tent of meeting and guard and keep guard over the people of Israel as they minister at the tabernacle. And you shall give the Levites to Aaron and his sons. They are wholly given to him from among the people of Israel. And you shall appoint Aaron and his sons, and they shall guard their priesthood. But if any outsider comes near, he shall be put to death. Notice here that any outsider, that is anyone who had not been ordained as a priest who was the son or descendant of Aaron, any one of those who entered into this tabernacle and went into the holy place was to be killed because they had defiled 
this holy place by entering without being called and anointed by God. Now we've seen that the priest alone who was a descendant of Aaron was permitted into this holy place. But there was something else that qualified them, not only their descendants, but also the fact that they were anointed particularly for this special role. In Leviticus chapter 8 and verse 30, we read this, Then Moses took some of the anointing oil and of the blood that was on the altar and sprinkled it on Aaron and his garments and also on his sons and his son's garments. So he consecrated Aaron and his garments and his sons and his son's garments with him. Aaron was ordained and anointed for the special role that he was to play in the holy place. And so the qualification of the priest was in the fact that he was called of God as a descendant of Aaron, and he was specifically anointed for this ministry. Now notice that the priests were anointed with oil and with the blood that was on the altar. And oil in scriptures, of course, often refers to the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And of course, the blood represents the ministry of the sacrifice that was made for their sin, for the forgiveness of their sin. In First Samuel chapter 16 and verse 13, we read, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. That is speaking about David. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Saul rose and up and went to Ramah. Notice here in this the connection between the anointing of, of David and the presence of the Holy Spirit that rushed upon him. As that oil was applied to David, the very Spirit of God came upon David to anoint him and to equip him for the task that was at hand. And with the anointing of this priest, authority was given. And the Spirit of God came upon this priest in order to give them authority in, in the role that God had given to him. And so the priests were called of God and, and anointed of God for the work of the tabernacle. And they alone, because of their calling and anointing, had the right to enter further and enter deeper into the tabernacle for serving the Lord. Now, quite a number of years ago, I took on the task of refinishing the stairs in my house uh, that led upstairs. And of course, that required uh, removing of carpet and foam and stripping off the paint from the stairs and the spindles. And, and it was a long task that required hours and hours of repetitive work. And at that time, my eldest grandson was living with us at the time, and, and he would watch me day after day going up there and scraping and sanding, and, and he was only a couple years old at the time. And, and one day as I was working, he crawls up the stairs, and he takes a scraper and begins to imitate me scraping and sanding and whatever I was doing. 
Now, he wasn't actually getting any paint off the steps, and I spent most of my time trying to keep him from falling down the steps, but we were working, quote-unquote, working together and, and bonding. Now, he, in reality, actually slowed me down and decreased my productivity, but we were together. And I've often looked back at that and seen in that how that relates to my walk with God. You see, God is fully capable of doing the job by himself, but somehow he delights in having us there, imitating him and working with him. And while my efforts and our efforts are often feeble, there's a level of fellowship that we can only experience as we work together. There's a level of intimacy that we can never experience if we're not serving the Lord. Now, God has often refined me and drawn me closer in those times of, of service in ways that I could never experience in any other way. And over the years, as I've stepped out in ministry, he's given me, uh, he's shown me uh, things and, and taught me things that I could never have experienced had I not stepped out in those ministries. I've experienced the reality of, of God as he provides for me in, 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 in wonderful ways. He, he stripped, stretched my, my faith as, I, as I've stepped out in obedience in doing those things that he's put on my heart to do. He's revealed himself to me in the hardships of, of ministry. He's become more real as I experience his presence and enabling in, in the work that he has given me to do. Now, why I'm saying this is this. The priests of the Old Testament had that wonderful privilege of climbing up the stairs, picking up a scraper, and working side by side with the master. The holy place was where this encounter took place. While the outer court was the place of salvation, the holy place is the place of service. And in the Old Testament, these priests had this incredible privilege of entering deeper into intimacy with God as they took up their, their, the scraper and they took up the sandpaper and they began to work alongside of this great God who had called them. Now, as we have said, in the Old Testament, this privilege of service belonged to the priest who were specifically called of God and anointed for the service of God. But consider what Peter has to say in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. This is what Peter says to his readers. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. Peter reminds the believers to whom he is writing that day that they, as believers, New Testament believers, were a royal priesthood who were called out of darkness into the light of God. 
And each of us, like those to whom Peter was writing, are called to be priests to God. And so Peter would go on to say in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, you yourself, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We are being matured by God to be a royal priesthood. And the role of the priest was to, to serve God and to lead people to him. And as a priest, God has called you and me to be his representatives on this earth. You and I, as priests unto God, as a holy priesthood, are to make him known. And if you know the Lord Jesus Christ today, you have been called to serve him just as the Old Testament priests have been, were called. You have this calling on you by virtue of being a child of God to be a royal priesthood. He has called you into this holy place, a place of service. He is calling you beyond the outer court of salvation and the blessings of forgiveness and cleansing into a place of service where you can serve and honor him. Not only were the Old Testament priests called by God, but they were also anointed for this service. And both of these requirements were necessary. And the Spirit of God rested upon these priests, enabling them and qualifying them and giving them the authority to exercise this ministry of service to God. But listen once again to what the Apostle Paul has to say to the Romans, New Testament believers. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 9, the Apostle Paul says this, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Do you see what the Apostle is saying here? He is telling us that we too have been anointed by the Holy Spirit of God. The oil of God's Spirit has been poured upon you and I as believers. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 20, the Apostle John says this, But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. 1 John chapter 2 verse 27, But the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything, and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. John, the apostle, like Paul, reminds us that we have also been anointed by the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy One has anointed us, and we have received this anointing from God. The Holy Spirit has come to us and lives in us and enables us in the work that he has given us. In fact, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, this in verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them. 
If prophecy of proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. God has not only equipped us with this anointing, but he has gifted us with special measure of grace and calling spiritual gifts, spiritual offices for the work of ministry. God has given us gifts and calling in ministry. We are not sacrificing animals on the altar, but we are called to be serving the Lord Jesus Christ. We are called to to move beyond the outer court of salvation and into the holy place of service. Now, you might say to me, but my role is so insignificant. I I don't feel like my gifts can really make a difference. But to you, I want you to Just take a moment and consider the role that God gave to those priests in the Old Testament. These men who had been called to enter into the holy place, to enter deeper into the tabernacle of God. These men, what was their role? For some of these men, they devoted their days to killing and skinning animals. Now, I can imagine these priests going home that night and saying to their wife, you know, I just feel like my role is so insignificant. I come home every night smelling like animal guts. And and other priests devoted themselves to music and managing the temple supplies. And and I'm sure they too wondered if, if they were really contributing to the overall purpose of God. And it's not so much what we do as it is about being faithful to what God has given us. Now, the holy place of service can be a terrifying place for it, for us. It, it, it requires sacrifice and devotion. It means stepping out into the unknown, and sometimes it means being tossed in over our head. So many times I've felt that. The, those who step into this place of service rec, risk rejection and persecution, and they're going to be required at times to leave the, the, their comfort zones and, and put in the effort that is required. But this place, this holy place, is a place of deeper intimacy with God. And, and Luke tells us, Luke chapter 6, verse 22 and 23, we, we read that, that where Jesus says that we are actually blessed when men hate us and, and insult us because of Christ. Remember, however, that there is a level of fellowship that we will never experience with God until we are ready to move beyond the outer court of salvation and into this holy place of service. God is calling you and me deeper into the tabernacle. He has more for you than what you're experiencing in this outer court. And if you're willing to accept your calling and your anointing, then he has a role for you to play. And he is calling you to experience him at a deeper level. But this will require obedience and willing sacrifice. And as wonderful as our salvation is, 
all too many believers never experience deeper blessing because they're unwilling to enter the place of sacrificial service. Now, there's a cost to this service, but the blessing and intimacy is worth it. And, and those of us who have entered into this place of service and have committed ourselves not only to just experiencing the salvation of God, but to serving God, those of us who've experienced that have experienced God's richest blessing in the midst of the struggles of service. We have been drawn closer because we have stepped out in obedience. Now, the question we ask ourselves is this, will we remain content in the outer court when the Lord God has called us, anointed us, and equipped us for something more? Will we be happy where we are when we can experience the presence of God in a deeper way? The holy place, the door of the holy place is open to you today. Will you cry out and, and say, God, I'm ready to pay the price. I will enter this place of service. I will step out and pick up the gifts you've given me. I offer myself wholeheartedly to be your servant. I will no longer just sit in the corner in the outer court. I want my life to count. I want to know you more. I want to grow more in you. I want to lay everything down for your kingdom. I want my life to have a purpose, and I want that purpose to be the glory of God and the expansion of his kingdom. And so today, Lord God, draw me into this place of service so that I may know you more. Forgive me, Lord, for being so content in the outer court of salvation and knowing that I'm forgiven and cleansed that I fail to move deeper into service and deeper into fellowship and deeper into intimacy with you to experience you in deeper and more intimate ways. Lord, I give myself to you. Will you open the door? Will you give me the courage to take a step beyond the outer court, to risk going into that holy place where I might serve you and honor you and experience you in an even greater and deeper way.